Welcome to Happy News Network. We're here to brighten your week while you take a break from doom scrolling. Join us as we discuss our latest happy news finds. A bit about us, Kristen is a Colorado stage manager. And Shayna is a creator and stage manager. So Kristen, this is a big episode. We have lots of updates for everybody. First, we're going to introduce our associate producer, Brandon. He's here to keep us in line. Hi, Brandon. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. So we get to know Brandon more in tomorrow's mini-sode as the second episode in our newly launched Thursday interview series. Today, we have two amazing guests to share with you. At the end of our episode, we'll chat with our self-improvement booster kit winner, Celeste. So be sure to stick around for that. Now we're joined by an emergency medicine physician who made waves this summer after sharing a personal experience connected to the hashtag med bikini movement. Back in 2013, she saved a woman who'd been hit by a boat overseeing and performing the woman's treatment all while in a bikini. You may know her on social media as Dr. Bikini. Please welcome Dr. Candice Myrie. Thank you so much for having me, Christian and Shane. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about happy news and not negative news. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're very thankful that we came across you and that you're willing to take the time to chat with us. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and how you discovered emergency medicine? Sure. I, as a medical student, you get the honor of exploring all specialties. And I basically was hooked on that show ER. And I thought it was so amazing that uh, you never knew it was going to come through the doors of the ER. And it was like this tragic surprise party every day. You'd have different patients come in, whether they had bone emergencies, eye emergencies, heart emergencies. And then you also had this amazing opportunity to make a person's day better. So I, I knew that was a specialty for me. I didn't want to be tucked away in an office somewhere and just really felt like the rhythm of the ER is where I belonged. How long have you been practicing and working within the emergency medicine field? Well, I've been in emergency medicine for probably 20 years, actually, if you include uh, my residency training started in 2000. And wow. I've, it's been, you know, highs and lows all along the way. I think you really kind of come into your own as a, a physician and a person experiencing everyone's traumas and worst days. You really get to figure out how you're going to turn it into their best day. And that's what I really liked about emergency medicine is that I was able to um, you know, take everyone's most tragic day and make it a little bit better. And I really thought yeah. that it was another emergency medicine doctor uh, who's described it to me as being a chef. Cause he said, you're basically, you know, cooking all these pots, which are patients, you're not cooking them, but you know what I mean? <laughs> and you just have to figure out, well, which one do I attend to first? And one of them could boil over if I don't jump in the room and take care of them. And then the other idea was that you have to be a chameleon because if you walk in the room, you have to realize, is this person sad or happy or injured or, you know, what do they need? So I have to become a chameleon and then basically, you know, feel their same mood and and get into their situation with them so I can help them best and understand their story and figure out their diagnosis. And that's why I came up with the term chameleon chef, which is my, do my job description, basically. <laughs> and then I just try to use laughter to make people stay better in the ER, too. That's my other kind of recipe for happiness and recipe for a successful day in the ER is to try to you know, bring smiles and joy to people's day in the ER, even though they're having the worst day of their life. Yeah. 
So you're a prominent participant in the hashtag med bikini movement in late July, advocating for happy personal lives to balance successful professional lives. How do the two connect and how can you separate the two on a day-to-day basis? Well, I feel like having a happy personal life is really the gateway to having a happy professional life. You can have so many bad cases happen to you in the ER and you really have to go out and find a way to relax and enjoy your time. And surfing is what I found when I was a resident my third year. And I went to a surf camp and learned to surf and did yoga and really found my inner joy. And it just really spiritually and physically revived me to work in the ER. I was a totally burnt out third year resident. And I, I really suggest other people do that too. Like find your joy and your passion outside of medicine to fuel your, yourself and in your professional life, because being a physician is really tough. Um, it takes a lot out of you. I come home drained many days. So if I can go surf the next day or do whatever makes me happy, I think that's so important. And the, the part that really sparked uh, joining this med bikini movement is I just thought, okay, just hold on a minute. I went to Wellesley College. I went to women's college. There's lots of sexism in medicine, but this is ridiculous. I mean, this is 2020. We're not, why are we stalking women's social media accounts and looking at pictures of them in bikini and saying they're not professional or men can be professional and wear bathing suits and have successful Mm -hmm. vascular surgery practices. And although I'm not a vascular surgeon, it just really hit home. And I thought, well, I'm going to just post in solidarity with all these women. And so I posted this picture of myself in a bikini saving someone's life and it just went viral. And then the fun part was you get all the men involved. And I had a bunch of men on Kauai, actually every ER male doctor I could get to do it put a Speedo on and posted themselves in the Speedo. And I used to be super embarrassed being called Dr. Bikini, but now Dr. Bikini, but for some reason, like if you hear Dr. Bikini, you just think like there's a stigma. And now the stigma of Dr. Bikini is this woman's going to save your life and it doesn't matter what she's wearing. And And I think it's such a testament. You flip the whole message on its head. And that's because you are very powerful and you are very competent and you are very effective and you care. Right. I took back Dr. Bikini. I did. (laughs) <laughs> I love yeah. it. I back the word. It's not just about patient satisfaction. It's also about physician physician satisfaction, and that's how mm-hmm. we give patients the best side of you. And that's how all the doctors here on Hawaii. We love outdoor sports, and we love being outside and wearing our bathing suits. And and that's how we we um you know regenerate enthusiasm to be your physician in the ER. Yeah, Wonderful. And that like kind of loops in our next question, which was you know, you work in emergency medicine and that's, you know, not very laid back for a kind of work environment and how you find happiness at work. That's really through laughter. Uh, laughter basically is medicine for me, not only for myself, but for my patients. Um, it's definitely the ultimate stress reliever. They've done studies on laughter and what it, how it affects your body. And they found that it decreases physical pain. It boosts the immune response. It also diffuses conflict. We have some really entertaining people in the ER who've used, um, I have a lot of examples, but I'll do those for later, on how they diffused you know, situations that would get really tense. Sure. So I basically laugh through my full rainbow of emotions. What I mean by that is I laugh when I'm sad, when a patient passes away. I laugh when I'm angry. I, and it can be misconstrued in the ER sometimes, so I have to be careful and explain to people, I have a nervous laughter right before I'm about to intubate someone. It doesn't mean I think it's funny that they've stopped breathing, but I just, it really re- gives me that release and allows me to, to continue my practice and successfully intubate someone or put a chest tube in or 
staple someone's head. If you can make someone laugh and relax and just be, you know, not take everything so seriously. And it's really, um, you know, it, it's, there's study, one study showed that it, it relaxes your body for 45 minutes after you laugh. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, I definitely, it's my, it's my best tool in my box. <laughs> yeah, that's a great tool to have. Um, so what are some of your successes in and out of the workplace that keep you feeling empowered when times are tough and, and maybe laughter is part of the best medicine? Well, I think everyone definitely has hard times in medicine and you doubt yourself just like in any career you're in. You just think, oh my gosh, can I do this? What does this patient have? And I, you just have to think back to the times when you had great success like the time I saved the woman by myself who was hit by a boat in the middle of the ocean in an underdeveloped country. Or I think about the time I was driving down to Mexico to go surfing and we came across a van full of 14 people who flipped over and I had to save two of the people there. Um, and then, or just being in the ER, you think about saves you made in the ER. So I've just had some really, really good saves, I feel like, that keep me fueled thinking, how am I going to figure out the next save? It's like, you know, a mystery when you're talking to a patient, like, are they really coming in here for an abscess or do they have a blood clot in their lung? Or even surfing, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, or, or adventuring on this island. I was surfing, a new surfer, didn't know what I was doing. I was talking to a guy who was paddling out there and I was a third year resident. He started telling me that his neck hurt in the back when he was looking up, when he'd go to paddle. And we start talking more about his symptoms. I figured out he had a subarachnoid hemorrhage in his brain and he flew back to Canada, got an MRI and they found out he had a, uh, basically it's a blood vessel that's about to burst in your brain and he had emergency surgery. This was a young 30 year old guy. So yeah, medicine's tough and, um, sexism exists in medicine. I've had a lot of doctors also be really tough on me on the islands and no, for no other reason than I'm female. And it's tough being a woman in any field. There is sexism. And I just want us all to just get together and just cancel it for 2020. just like a lot of other things we wanted to cancel this year. Yeah. So um, that's my hope. And I feel like men and women together are interested in the message I have. And hopefully we can yeah. accomplish this. I think just bringing us all together to work on the same goal is important and not just yeah. you know, separating the genders. Yeah. One thing that's really wonderful from noticing this interview, there's such an emphasis in your life on well-roundedness and having hobbies and not just a laser focus. And I think that style of thinking can allow people to be focusing on multiple different things, which doesn't say that they're less or more dedicated to their job or whatever their, their primary focus is. But sometimes when you walk away from something, you can come back with a really fresh perspective. If you only ever think about what you're doing in the ER, you may not, you may not always be able to come back fresh and you might burn yourself out or you might not have the, um, that depth of coping, you know, it may be otherwise. So I think oh, it's absolutely. wonderful that you've embraced that. Yeah, it definitely recharges me. And I, I don't really think there's any other way to live. I mean, I, I tried to do three years of residency without really taking time for myself and that didn't work. And it just, it just leaves you empty and you, you know, you want to give up. I was ready to, um, I was hanging out with some Australians and they were like, check a sticky mate, like just leave medical <laughs> behind and just surf the world with us, you know? And I think I would have been lost if I had just gone to surf the world. I think you need the balance, the professional and the personal balance um, really is where it's at. And I, I, I don't think you can do it without it. I think people who don't have a professional life also suffer from depression as well because they don't have anywhere to put their energy and their knowledge and I think the two, you just have to find that perfect balance between the two 
the two worlds is so important. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Sure. Stay safe. Thank Go you. Say okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Like any stage manager, I'm obsessed with office supplies and have like an, a rewards account to like Staples, Office Depot, all the all the major, <laughs> yep. all the major office supply retailers. Um, mm-hmm. And last week, I shared that my happy news was the Great British Bake Off is back on Netflix, and this week my worlds are colliding. So the first ever Bake Off winner, Ed Kimber, released a cookbook. It's called One Tin Bakes, like the most British title I've ever heard, One Tin Bakes. Um, and in it, he shares a like pro baking tip, binder clips. So what? Parch- yeah. So like if you've ever baked with parchment paper, like for any of an activity, whether it's like actual baking or cooking, like making a Thanksgiving meal, whatever, it's like a nightmare. Like you can't spread on it because it slides everywhere. Binder clips, you can just clip them clip your parchment paper to your baking tray or your cookie sheet or whatever, which like I never even would have thought of because I I don't know why I feel like they're going to melt, but they're metal and like so are your baking tins. You just have to not get like the pretty plastic coated ones because that obviously will melt, but like the regular ones that are suggested on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. are oven safe. So like what a duh aha moment. Yeah. It's so like duh. And like when you're cooking in convection with like the fan on, which they do a lot more in the UK than we do here in the States. Mm -hmm. But like parchment sometimes blows into your cake, then you've got like an extra layer of parchment paper. Just clip that sucker down. Like that's brilliant. (laughs) Binder clips. Genius. Anyway. I'm what a great find blew my freaking mind so i love that i love that there's baking i love that there's office supplies and like it's fun little ingenious life hacks that we can all use and he like in in his cookbook he's like yeah i just have a tin of binder clips in my kitchen and they're all over the place and i lose them all the time and i was like relatable (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh what a great find i uh my first article is food themed. So I guess we'll continue that. Um, We're going to go to Attleboro, Massachusetts for a moment. Uh, There is an 11 year old named Ashlyn McDonald who lives uh, with her family in Attleboro, Massachusetts. And her favorite canned food or her favorite food of all is canned SpaghettiOs with the miniature meatballs. And according to her mom, Crystal, Ashlyn sometimes eats other foods like grilled cheese and pizza, but those are far and away the favorite food breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, Ashlyn is non-verbally autistic. And so she finds comfort in her SpaghettiOs when the routine of like going to school has been affected by the pandemic. It's become her new normal and her new sort of safety blanket in that way. Um, Structure keeps Ashlyn centered when everything else just seems overwhelming. So uh, she started eating spaghettios for all three meals a day and they're like this sensory experience for her and evidently they're packed with protein from the little meatballs so they do give her fortification um in back in mid-april which feels like yesterday uh ashlyn's parents jeffrey and crystal mcdonald went grocery shopping and the store was clean out of spaghettios because people were overstocking on canned foods 
And just finding food became this huge activity involving visiting at one point over a dozen grocery stores, driving really far out of the way. And Ashlyn's one of a few kids. It's not like she's the only kid and they're, you know, trying to keep their household going during a pandemic with the remote learning back in April and all of that. And, you know, three meals a day, seven days a week, that's 21 cans just to feed Ashlyn. And it really took a toll on the family. So Crystal, her mom, was featured in a local newspaper and people from surrounding neighborhoods starting dropping off their SpaghettiOs for them. Yeah. So yeah. So one woman in Foxborough, which if you don't know Foxborough, that's where the stadium that the Patriots play in is. I know Kristen's making a face. Um, neither of us are particularly huge fans of the Patriots, but just for reference, um, that's whereabouts we are in Massachusetts. Um, so one woman from that neighborhood noted that unlike other people who could be flexible with their food for their families, the McDonald's don't really have that option with Ashlyn. Um, even though Ashlyn doesn't speak, if they tried to substitute her food, she'd give them this look like, don't trick me, guys. <laughs> um, which I... I kind of support that. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so in grand total, 400 cans have been donated by their community and Campbell's Soup delivered 782 cans to their front door. So they have over 1,100 cans of SpaghettiOs donated, which should last them, gee, I don't know, what's 1,100 divided by 21 per week? That's a lot of weeks, and it gives them time to continue stocking up as people um, continue needing to be very remote during the pandemic. So That's I wanted amazing. To, yeah. I, I've never had a comfort food that I only go to. And so I'm so enamored with this concept that it's her safety blanket. Oh yeah. We ate SpaghettiOs like straight out of the can with my dad, like not even heating it up sometimes. <laughs> just go for it. I want to just do some like really, really quick math and just quickly figure out. So they have 1182 cans donated divided by three a day. That's going to last them just over a year and maybe a month. That's amazing. Assuming her siblings don't want to have some too. So. <laughs> wow. um, so kudos to everyone in the McDonald's circle who have contributed to this wonderful effort because it's it's hard just feeding a family of little kids. Like I just remember how many trips my mom would go to the grocery store. Like I saw this yeah. meme this week that was just like, parenting is just buying snacks while going to the store, eating snacks to buy more snacks. <laughs> it was just accurate. Kids are always hungry. And you know, when your kid is eating the same food and, and really needs to stick to it for the sake of, of all of the greater conditions and things going on in her life that bring her structure. I'm so happy that people stepped up. Yeah. And Campbell's. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Campbell's. Um, yeah. <laughs> my second article is <laughs> I'm sticking with my like kind of UK theme. Um, so <laughs> I don't even know how to like get into this because it's so, it seems so obscure, but like really the story is actually kind of beautiful, but bear with me. So <laughs> okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I chose it because the headline made me giggle. And then I got into it and I was like, oh, that's awesome. So in the UK, there's this huge charity for pets. Their acronym is PDSA. And they award gold medals for, quote, animal gallantry or devotion to duty. Um, and of the 30 animals who have been given this honor, the first ever rat was awarded earlier this year. 
um, for their work in detecting landmines in Cambodia. Oh so, my God. That, right? And I thought like service dogs were impressive because they like, oh right. my God, roll over is no longer an achievement for me. Like go <laughs> sniff out some landmines, please. Right. Right. <laughs> so they use rats because they're so lightweight that they can stand on the landmine and not trigger anything but then like they scratch at the top of it so the human their human co-workers can like be notified hey there's something over there got it i thought you but, were gonna say it's lightweight and it's helpful for travel like there's no extra baggage check like well i mean to get a rat on a plane is kind of difficult but that's a whole other logistics nightmare um I'm sorry so they can snit that's really interesting though so okay. yeah so Magawa, I think is how you say this rat's name. Magawa is a seven-year-old African giant pouched rat who throughout his career has sniffed out 39 landmines and they do it by detecting a chemical compound within the explosive. Um, and it only, ta- it only takes Magawa 20 minutes to search an area the size of a tennis court where it would take a human up to four days to search the same amount of area. Because, you know, humans have Whoa. to be much more careful when looking for things like right, landmines. Right. But Magawa can just, like, <gasps> run around, sniff, scratch, 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 over here, run around, scratch, over here. Like, brilliant. <laughs> um, and, it ta- like, it takes these rats, like, a year of training. And then they become what is known as a hero rat. And Magawa is nearing retirement age at the age of seven. So this is like the perfect time for this PDSA so gold medal. So cute though. Wonderful. Oh, I and that I, was I've just amazing. Yes. I just looked up the the type the species of rat. They are so cute. They're like the size of mm-hmm. a hamster, mm-hmm. the build and body of a rabbit with the face and ears of a kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, they're so I kind of like a shockingly <laughs> cute rat. Way to like use these rats to do to like expedite a process that takes humans so much longer. Yeah, like in a way that's, that's safe amazing. for both the animal and the human too. Yeah, it's like, not experimental. It's very. It seems to be safe for everyone involved. Yeah, and like very work smarter, not harder. Like nailing yeah, we it like that. Yeah, big fan. Uh, my my final thing to discuss today also involves animals, but much bigger. Uh, we're going to talk about horses. <laughs> and I, I love me some horses. Um, okay. So we're going to quickly talk about um, a horse sanctuary out in Montana. The biggest horses out there are called draft horses. They're huge. They top six feet at their withers. And I didn't know what withers were. It's that space in between the shoulder blades. It's like the nape of the horse's neck, so to speak, right before the mane. So like that six feet tall, they're huge. So there is a chiropractor out uh, in the Livingston area of Montana named Deborah Dare. And she's a chiropractor. She has owned and operated the United and Light Horse Sanctuary since 2003. And the idea sort of came when she realized she could treat both people and animals. And you might be wondering why horses, specifically draft horses, need help. Um, They're so big that they're usually bred just for heavy labor, like pulling heavy carts, moving big Mm. objects. And Mm. they 
second they can't produce that kind of labor or they get injured or sick from doing that, they usually just get put down. So Deborah's sanctuary uh, currently is home to 15 horses from all over the country. They only focus on draft horses and rehabilitating them and taking care of them. And they only focus on elder horses that have faced either abuse or neglect or injury. And those horses can't be ridden and do uh, hard labor anymore. So they have this very specific focus on, on their mission. Mm-hmm. Um, United and Light is a 501c3 and they pay the horses rescues, upkeep, food, and medical expenses. And when COVID started happening, the donations dropped about 90%. But the Park County Community Foundation raised over $14,000 for them and it covers their winter hay, which is huge if you're taking care of horses. That's their Mm -hmm. food supply. That's like saying you're taking care of Ashland SpaghettiOs, right? So uh, United and Light is also starting to plan limited attendance open houses. They do events like meet and greets where people can meet the different horses and they do equine therapy. And I don't know if you know this, horses are great therapy animals. Um, Like 10 or 15 years ago, I started learning about how um, some places in the Southwest, I believe, were starting to do equine therapy with soldiers coming back from the Middle East who are having PTSD issues. Horses are very intuitive animals and they that's part of why if you're easily spooked, they won't pair you with an aggressive horse because they'll take advantage of that because they can sense it. Um, that's why when you go horseback riding, they try to pair the personality and experience with the horses um, because the horses are just so intuitive. And so they will do work like that. Um, and horses are just so intelligent that um, Deborah describes them as huge teddy bears and they gravitate to different people with a deeper level of knowing shared experiences. If someone is coming in for therapy, like if someone else has been abused, just like them, like they just know. It's remarkable. So yeah, I wanted to sort of celebrate um, the work they've been doing and also um, just tie into the animal theme you've got going on right now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. If you're craving retail therapy, check out Positive Posts Clothing Co. They have designs to uplift and combat daily negativity. They have everything, apparel, face masks, mugs, magnets, and tote bags. I love their kindness is contagious and reading will take you to new worlds campaigns. Enter the code HAPPY at checkout for 15% off your purchase. That's HAPPY in all caps. September was self-improvement month and we collaborated with Smile Songs to gift one lucky listener some affirmation items and a chance to chat with us about their self-improvement achievements and goals. Today, we welcome our winner, Celeste. Hi, Celeste. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to Shannon, right, for having that gift basket for me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're so glad that you were able to win. Me too. Uh, okay. So, Celeste, please share some of your self improvement goals with us and let us know how you've achieved them or how you plan to achieve them. Definitely. So, one of the things that I have been working on throughout a time like this is giving myself time to make decisions. I feel like throughout my life, I've considered myself an introverted extrovert of sorts. In that, I mean, I love being able to take the time that I need to kind of cultivate my ideas and 
form my opinions, yet I love bouncing ideas off of other people. And so I need that. I need that collaboration. I need that kind of energy exchange. So I often find that, you know, in times like these, we are so rushed to make decisions. And so I'm really trying to honor that and kind of just give myself time to reflect and assess one of my personal favorite things about being a human is our individuality. So yeah, giving myself time to just be. Yeah. That's a very important thing to do, to tune into yourself. Yeah, definitely. That kind of goes along with um, my second goal that I've been really working on is just be kinder to myself. I think that we could all really, really use that every once in a while. I think that our words are so powerful and sometimes we forget that in life in general. We're so quick to react instead of responding and really able to... uh, settle into how we really feel about things instead of jumping to conclusions and things. So one of the things that I'm personally working on in order to do that is, let me, let me begin with talking about something that I have realized about myself is that I misuse starting phrases with I am, whether it be saying I am going to get a cheeseburger or I am never going to finish this project or I am going to finish this project, those words are so powerful and we have the ability to speak into existence what we're choosing into for our own lives. And starting a phrase with I am is honestly just, it it can be so joyful and so happy, (laughs) which is one of the most wonderful things ever. I've caught myself several times saying it, you know, I I don't know, kind of like leading sentences with I am and catching myself saying negative things. And now that I've become aware of how I do that sometimes, I'm able to, yeah, grow from it and learn from it and get better about not doing it as much. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great. Like life advice. Like that's really something to think about. That's great. Yeah. It's very insightful and it's, not just specific to you. There, there is so much that we can all take away from that. Thank you for sharing all of that. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And do you have any other like personal brags that you might want to share about that you've accomplished well, recently? This year, I moved to Los Angeles, and man, it's been a interesting journey of moving throughout a year like this, but it's also been kind of cool. I I can't lie because Los Angeles is such a busy city. It has such busy energy all the time, right? And that's what it's known for. And, you know, it has, you know, you you talk about kinetic motion, energy in motion stays in motion. And when a city that's known for that is kind of in a wall, you start to find other things to appreciate about the city. So I've been able to see this whole other side of LA that, you know, not a lot of people get to see at first when they first get there. It's been pretty cool. And also I can't uh, forget to talk about the lack of terrible traffic. That's That's a huge pro to moving. Yeah. Right now. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Well, congratulations on your move, by the way. Thank you. Uh, So that's kind of the minor thing that I have accomplished this year but the major thing you know we've 
I'm a singer and an artist and I do music theater and I teach, which is really fun, but it's been a little bit more challenging to do that right now, mm-hmm. you know? So since I've had that downtime to kind of do that self-reflection, like we were talking about, uh, I have been writing so, so much and I am in the process of working on an album. That's so exciting. So exciting. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. So it's really exciting to me because I've had the desire to write my whole life and I have done it for a long time. And so having the ability to take the time for me right now has been so important. And I'm really, really grateful for that. And yeah, I'm working on my single right now, and then the album will follow soon after. So things to really look forward to. (laughs) Yes, definitely keep us posted. That's exciting. Yeah, and I promise it will be very happy. We (laughs) love it. We love happy, yeah. (laughs) Well, congratulations on starting such a big project, especially in the middle of moving and all the other things that you've been working on. Yeah, thank you. I think I'm really lucky because I have a lot of musical people in my family that I'm able to bounce ideas off of and the idea that we're able to all take the time to uh, connect with our our people right now, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and really focus on who we want to reach out to right now. You know, it's not just we're we're not just finding people in passing as frequently right now to, to bounce ideas off of. So it's been nice being able to bounce ideas off my family and my, my close friends and kind of developing and writing with those ideas in mind that I'm getting from them. And yeah, it's been really cool. So yeah. What a wonderful process and experience for you. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it has been so lovely meeting you, Celeste. And thank you for being a fan of the pod and taking some time to chat with us. It's been really nice getting to know you. Thank you so much, Celeste. Absolutely. Listeners, if you have any happy news you want to share with us that you want to share with other people, whether it be on social media or right here at the end of our podcast, email us at hnnpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what's going on. Names, pictures, family-friendly fun, whatever you're up to, we love it all. And be sure to follow us on social media at hnnpodcast for happy news throughout the week and a chance to win our spooky giveaway in collaboration with Kiroshiro Creations. The giveaway includes custom-made spooky tote, makeup bag, tumbler, two spooky face masks, and the chance to join Kristen and me as co-host for an entire episode of Happy News Network. And if you think you've missed our chat with Kiroshiro Creations founder, Erica, you have not. She helped us launch our first ever Happy News Network mini-sewed video. So head to YouTube or any of our social media pages and watch it now. Until next time, I'm Kristen. I'm Shana. Have a happy week. Have a happy week. Have a happy week.